How should missionaries respond to the coronavirus outbreak? If I sacrifice my life now, what does that mean for the long term for Mm -hmm. the national church and for growing them and teaching them and encouraging them and exhorting them? Today, a special episode of the Missions Podcast. Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Copeland, Director of Advancement and Mobilization for ABWE, joined by Scott Dunford, West Coast Mobilizer and Church Planter for Redeemer Church in Fremont, California. And Scott, it sounds like you are coming to us live from the Corner Pug in West Hartford, Connecticut. Where are you coming to us from? I'm actually coming from San Pedro Square in downtown San Jose, so uh, kind of in the heart of it all. So if you hear music and laughter in the background, I'm in the middle of it. All right. Well, the reason that we have such a different uh, setting for our recording is we're doing this a little bit on the fly, Scott, but it's because we wanted to do something very serious and important today as a special episode, right? Yeah. So, you know, you can't really turn on the news without hearing people talking about the coronavirus. Um, certainly I'm out here on the West Coast. I get, I get updates every day from our school. Um, probably because we have about 30 to 40 percent Chinese people in our community, in our school, and everyone's kind of panicked about this. People are not wanting to go shopping. They're not wanting to go out to the markets um, because there's a lot of fear of like what's what's happening and will this spread to America? And if it does spread, what does that mean? And then the other side of people like, wow, this is overblown. What's the big deal? But we know that it's affecting our teams around the world. We know that it's affecting um our missionaries in some countries are evacuating and, you know, certainly on the news here. And we like see how it's affecting even global markets is the markets have been up and down and mostly down um, because of the fear of what could happen here. So I think it's time to bring in an expert and really get down to the, to the nitty gritty of what we should be thinking about, even as Christians on this issue. We are privileged to have an expert in our midst. Miriam Wheeler uh, is a medical doctor as well as an ABWE missionary, and she currently serves as our medical director here in our international headquarters. She advises our missions teams across the world um, in best practices and cares for them in crisis situations and all sorts of things. And she has been laboring tirelessly um, to advise our missionaries on the best practices. And so Miriam, please introduce yourself, um, share about your background in medicine and ministry. Uh, We need to talk with you some other time just about your background because you've got an incredible story of ministry, but let's talk about that for a moment before we dive in. Oh, sure, Alex. I love to talk about Ukraine and Togo. I spent five years at our hospital, the first hospital that opened in 85. Um, and then God called me to pioneer village clinics in Ukraine. A lot of people don't know how destitute the villages are of Ukraine. They, I thought the first time I saw them, they are African villages with snow. They have yeah. to deal with the winter, too. So very destitute place, a lot of needy people living in darkness and hopelessness. And so we can bring the light of the gospel through good, compassionate medical care. That's just been a real privilege, joy to be part of that. Mm. Well, Miriam, um, we're grateful for you being here and uh, we don't want to make light of this topic. Tell us what is the coronavirus or COVID-19, whatever we're calling it now, and help us separate fact from fiction a little bit. Right. Well, this is a coronavirus. It's the same family of viruses as the common cold, uh, of which a lot of people don't realize. It's a Mm. different group of viruses from influenza, um, but the coronavirus was responsible for SARS a few years ago, for MERS 
MERS a few years ago, um, same group of viruses. But what we're seeing now is very different. The coronavirus currently, the novel coronavirus 2019, um, the disease is now being called COVID, COVID-19. Um, this virus is not nearly as lethal as SARS was, not nearly as lethal as MERS was. So what we're seeing globally is a mortality rate of about 3.4%. Mm. Um, and that is really low compared to other major infectious disease. And as, uh, of course, China had the horrible epidemic, just tens of thousands. Now, over 80,000 people in China have uh, contracted the virus. Um, but uh, what's interesting globally, as it has spread beyond China's borders, is that really the contagion has decreased. There's only a couple of hot spots, like South Korea has been especially hard hit. Um, the virus is very contagious there. Uh, Italy in Europe has been another country very hard hit. Yeah. Um, well over uh, upwards to, uh, I think, over 3,000 cases now. So it's interesting the different pockets that the virus has found and flourished in. But still, the overall mortality is very low. Mm. And when you look at that, um, in worldwide, the uh, number of deaths is less than 3,000 worldwide. Yeah. And, and those are mostly people that are ill or pre pre-existing conditions, exactly. elderly. Exactly. And the very young have not been hit very hard with this virus. Very few okay. children are dying of this virus. Um, and think of the influenza. Who dies of that? The influenza in America. It's the very young, the very old, right. the chronically ill. And already just this season, the flu virus has killed 16,000 in America. Mm. How many have died in America of uh, coronavirus? Two so far. Mm. Um, there's only 86 cases reported as of today. So when you look at the spread of the virus, the contagion of the virus, it is so low compared to something like influenza. So why is it getting so much attention? I mean, the whole country of China shut down basically for a couple months because of this getting out of control in their mind. Why Why the right. fear then? Because you say it's just 3%. And I think, well, I mean, if there's 100, I have 50 people in my church. That means like, you know, one and a half of them die from it. You know, that seems like awfully high to me. You're saying it's kind of low. What's the fear? Why is it a concern to people? And, and why is 3% low in as it relates to this kind of a, a virus. Yeah, well, that's comparing to something like SARS or MERS. Or if you look at historical pandemics like um, 2009, the H1N1 virus, um, over 12,000 people in America died of the H1N1 wow. um, in 2009. Uh, so compared to something like that, that's what we're saying. The mortality is really low um, with the, this novel coronavirus this year. Um, so in China, the problem was it just spread like wildfire right. before, before they even hardly recognized um, the serious nature uh, of the virus. Right. And so the uh, I think the treatment options were minimal. Um, um, a lot more people were dying just from not understanding what was going on and getting the medical care as quickly as they needed. 
So that has really slowed down a lot in China. The number of new cases has slowed down considerably. And the the severe measures that they invoked, I think, helped a lot Mm. in slowing it down and even decreasing the death rate there. Let me ask a question, too. I was listening to the CDC report, and we'll link to it in the show notes. It's from February 26th. There was a uh, telebriefing, and the CDC was saying that um, it now meets two out of the three criteria for a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So help us understand what that means. And part of the reason for, I think, the panic is not just the mortality rate. You could argue maybe that's high, maybe that's low relative to whatever you're comparing it to. It's the economic impact of it as well. It's the fact that with every store shut down in China and only 70% of grocery stores and convenience stores opened in China, well, there go all of our our steel that we import, our antibiotics that we ironically import from China, you know, and that's why the Dow is is careening out of control. But um, help us understand, is this pandemic status? Well, even just the term pandemic scares me. So what what is a pandemic as opposed to just, you know, it's flu season. It doesn't sound good. Right, right. Well, you have to understand that pandemic means a new virus, which is one of the criteria. And certainly the novel Corona is a new virus. Um, The other part of that is global impact. Um, We're seeing a few cases globally, but the, the widespread impact is not nearly as great as what a pandemic would be. Um, like I mentioned, the um, H1N1 in 2009, um, that was truly a pandemic where just tens of thousands were dying globally, mm. um, where it's nothing like that at all. Yeah. You know, when you think 12,000 died in America of that virus, and so far globally, only 3,000 have Does it died. Does have the potential to go that direction, though? Well, there's always that potential. You know, we can't predict what will right. happen. But just watching what's been going on so far since early January, when this was first noted, um, and the flattening of the curve in China, and even in South Korea, that's been the next uh, biggest hot spot, um, the flattening of that curve as well. Hmm. And in the U.S. so far, it hasn't even really picked up traction. Hmm. You know, we're not seeing person to person spread. Yeah. Um, so it, for to reach pandemic proportions, you've got to have that continual spread, the continual contagion um, spreading throughout multiple countries, big numbers of cases. So here's why I like you. You have um, this sense of balance. You're right. I, I don't I don't see you downplaying the real concerns, um, but I also don't see you giving way to panic. Um, so how can Christians just what, what filters should we have as people are listening to this interview as they're reading the CDC report to, 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 to sift through that? Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to add, because in America, you know, like right now you've got a major election happening and you've got both political parties seemingly trying to weaponize this thing. So how do we sort through all the information and disinformation and get down to the facts? Right. Uh, You definitely want to look at reputable sources. So I watch the World Health Organization. I watch the Johns Hopkins uh, database. I watch the CDC. Um, You know, those are reputable resources where the media gets a lot of numbers from a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. And so we have to compare those with the reputable, credible medical sources. Mm. Um, so, so don't read the Babylon Bee or the Onion. or the, I don't uh, even know what those are. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, so what I see happening is a lot of fear that's been inbred from the media reports. And that just brings me always back to second Corinthians one, seven, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of Mm. power and of love and of a sound mind and a sound mind looks at things rationally, looks at things logically. Mm. And I think that's what God wants us to do as believers and looking internationally. Like I have a lot of missionaries writing, should I travel here? Should I travel there? Well, you know, that that's up to you and God, really, is you have to make the decision that you are comfortable with before God. You're Mm. responsible for your family. But when I look at the statistics, I can tell you where the hot spots are, where the doors are closed now. Like um, Italy's already up to a level three from the U.S. State Department, which means uh, no non-essential travel. And in two regions where are the biggest hot spots in Italy, um, level four which means no travel at all. Um, U.S. citizens should not travel to those two regions. Um, So the U.S. State Department, I think, is responding pretty rationally, basically, at least in their travel advisories. Mm. Um, And they're following the CDC recommendations, uh, looking at the travel health advisories of the CDC, getting information from each individual country's Ministry of Health Mm. and and not responding when there's just a few cases. Mm -hmm. Um, Like when you look at the global statistics of the top. 10 countries in the world. Um, The U.S. is number 10, and we only have 86 cases confirmed Mm. at this juncture. Um, The China, of course, is around 80,000. So the top 10 countries in the world by number of confirmed cases ranges from 86 to 80,000. So we have to look at that rationally as well and realize globally this virus just is not nearly as contagious as it was in China. Interesting. Interesting. So I have a question. You sure. know, you, you've got a ba- you've got a background in rural medicine. Certainly, you 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 know you you have the benefit of living in America right now with all the medical advances we have. And certainly, most of us listening, like like myself, is going to think first of all through like how does it affect me and my family. But then, as your mind goes to the people you love and you've experienced time with, and in like you know rural Ukraine, and I think of like refugees on the border of Syria that don't have access to medical care, and we're hearing about outbreaks in Iran and the, you know, I just think what happens if it gets to India, that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, what are the parts of the world? What, how will this affect parts of the world that don't have the same medical access? And what are parts of the world are you more concerned about? Could it have a, a bigger effect and more de- deadly effect in those parts of the world? Or because of the nature of this virus, are you not as concerned about it? Just, I'm just wondering. Sure. Well, certainly from what we saw in China with the wildfire um, spread of the disease and the numbers of cases um, there and the number of people who died um, in that situation where um, imminent health care was not as readily available to a large percentage of the population. Obviously, that makes a big difference. Yeah, and you look at a place like India or Bangladesh or um, the poorest of the poor. Um, But often in those places, there are a lot of diseases that are more rampant and uh, more problematic than even this virus would be. Uh, Like I just corresponded with one of our ABWE doctors in uh, West Africa, and he says, we have a lot bigger things to worry about here. 
Hmm. Um, when you look at malaria, when you look at typhoid fever, when you look at the risk of Ebola virus, you know, this, this virus is just not scary compared to those sorts of things. Um, but obviously in any very poor country with poor medical care, uh, there's going to be a higher mortality rate in countries like that hmm. than in the developed world. And, and I would imagine, I would imagine like in places like, like China or a lot of the countries in Asia, really, where you have so many people in proximity to each other. I mean, I remember getting on the subways in the morning and just, you know, you're in each other's faces and that's just normal. It's not unusual here. If we accidentally touch somebody, we're like apologizing, you're like, oh, sorry, you know, yeah. there you can't get away from others. There's and the sanitation it just isn't the same. You know, we don't even always wash with soap, even dishes at restaurants. So I imagine that all of those things kind of play into how something could spread as well. Of course. Where, of course. Um, and masks do not help. Like the just the basic surgical mask, um, that might help the sick person keep from transmitting so much of their viral load to others, but it doesn't help at all. If I'm healthy and I wear a mask, yeah. that gives me almost no protection. I'm disappointed really. now. Yeah. Genuinely disappointed. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. that that's life. Oh. But I, and it is just a reminder to, you know, to turn this to the spiritual again, Romans 8, the creation is groaning. Mm -hmm. And whenever we see these headlines, man, we are reminded that we are mortal. And the reason that we we take the gospel across the world is because life is not guaranteed to anyone um, that we will all eventually stand before God. And so we need to be spreading the good news of the gospel and what Christ has done to save sinners in his death, burial and resurrection and reign. But we want to get into a little bit of the spiritual implications, the ethical implications for missionaries and why it's relevant to missionaries. And we'll do that after this quick break. The Missions Podcast is back at T4G and we're going big. If you'll be in Louisville on April 15th, join us at the Ice House, half a mile from the Yum Center for the local church and the nations, a special live recording of the Missions Podcast with an expert panel. Yeah, guests that you're familiar with, guests we've had in the show like Zane Pratt, Darren Carlson, Brooks Buser, Paul Davis, John Clausen, and George Collins will join us to answer when Jesus said to disciple all the nations, what did he mean by that? Did he mean countries or people groups or languages and making it practical what can ordinary churches do about that how we answer can make or break our strategies it'll be riveting edifying and we mentioned it's the deepest lunch in town yeah so grab your spot and your food for just ten dollars go to missionspodcast.com slash t4g or follow the link in the show notes and if you're not signed up yet for t4g our partner live global use the code t4g20 live global 10 off to receive ten dollars off your t4g registration Go into the show notes to see exactly how that's spelled. That's T4G20 Live Global 10 off. You get $10 off your registration and we'd love to see you there. Absolutely. So join us and we'll see you in Louisville on April 15th at T4G. A special message from ABWE President Paul Davis. ABWE missionaries are coming beside the lost and the hurting around the world. And through the Global Gospel Fund, they're pulling people from the darkness and training them as leaders. They're planting churches, and they're even beginning their own missions movements. You may already support one ABWE missionary. Would you consider a gift to the Global Gospel Fund to support all 1,000 of our missionaries? Thank you for that. Become a partner today at abwe.org slash global gospel fund. 
training is the biggest common denominator in people who make it through the first two years and people who don't. Brooks Buser, president of Radius International. Radius is a 10-month intensive training school that trains students who are going to church plants among the last 3,100 unreached groups left in the world. The driving burden is really to see every language group reached with a really strong, lasting New Testament church. Okay, so why should someone attend Radius International? I would say someone should attend Radius because we see missionaries that don't make it because they weren't expecting the challenges that were coming at them. Everyone's going to hit hurdles. It's what you do when you hit those hurdles. If you've had those challenges at Radius, you get to see those challenges. You get to experience some of them in the environment in Tijuana. And you also have capable staff that have a background and can guide you through a lot of those hurdles. And so you tend to do much better. I'm one of the team leaders. He says there's just something different about Radius graduates. They understand and they get through things a lot faster and they do better on the field when the hard times come. What's your final challenge? Go to radiusinternational.org, radiusinternational.org. to this special episode of the Missions Podcast with Dr. Miriam Wheeler, ABWE's Medical Director, and we're talking about the coronavirus and the implications for missionaries. And Scott, I know that since you've ministered in Asia personally, um, that this is probably hitting you uh, just at a different level than maybe it hits a lot of us. But uh, I think there's some interesting ethical implications that missionaries serving in that part of the world should be thinking through. Yeah, I certainly think of my friends in Asia, um, but I also think of my neighbors. I mean, the lady two houses down from me is from Wuhan, which is the, the epicenter for this. So, um, you know, the, it, it's it's around me even here where I live in California. Um, but I, I just, I've been thinking about this and actually our uh, my co-pastor here, here, uh, Bob Bixby preached a sermon a while back from Acts talking about how, you know, after the persecution, believers were spread, but the apostles stayed in Jerusalem and he was bringing out the idea of like, there's a long history of Christians. Yes, sometimes spreading with difficulties, but also at other times staying in difficult places. Um, and, you know, that was one of the reasons that Protestantism really took off, you know, is that like when the plague came throughout Europe, the Protestant pastors stayed in those communities and ministered, whereas a lot of the priests abandoned yeah. the people and magistrates would leave, anyone that could leave. But then I also understand, you know, you're in a unique position, Miriam. You're uh, you're responsible for the health of, you know, a large mission force. You're trying to think through a lot of different factors and and churches are kind of counting on you to to, to be wise and give good advice um, with our personnel and weighing lots of factors so as a leader and especially one that has like a heavy weight of responsibility if, if you tell me hey don't do this you're gonna get sick I'm probably gonna listen to you because your experience and your training is just so much more advanced than mine as a leader what factors do you weigh in in making a decision that's very difficult of telling a telling missionary personnel to leave a local Location or to shut down a field, um, how do you wrestle through that? Can you walk us through that a little bit? Sure. Well, there's so many factors that have to go in. That's such a huge decision. And we, we weigh um, is how limited is their ministry if they stay um, versus how much could they do if they go. Um, you have to look at, uh, are there airline flights available? <laughs> I mean, some of the airlines are closing and yeah. then there's 
potentially no possibility of getting out if they did get sick and need to get health care in another place. So we're weighing all those kind of things. But we also want our missionaries to be helping others. And um, in Italy, uh, we haven't even talked about evacuating personnel there because they have reasonably good health care available. And it's a great opportunity to share their faith with people. Why aren't they panicking? And here they're Americans. They could potentially leave. But why are they saying? Because they care so much about those people. They want to help in any way they can and share the good news, share hope, um, share light in the midst of a lot of darkness. So um, all those factors come into play as we consider these uh, major decisions. Mm. So what counsel would you give to a missionary? Um, and so here's a little bit under the hood for our listeners. Miriam's job with ABWE is to mitigate risk and to serve and care for our missionaries and to minister to them. Uh, but maybe taking off that hat for a moment, maybe you were speaking with just any missionary um, from another agency or maybe from no agency at all. And really just the, the only factor was what should they do at a, at a spiritual, at an ethical level? Uh, how would you advise them if they were thinking through whether to stay or to go? And I, I think through everything that you're saying, you're right. You want to be effective and you have to serve your family. And those are important things. And then you also have Philippians chapter two, talking about men like Epaphroditus who should be commended because they risked their life and they were near to death for the sake of the gospel. And you know, how do we wrestle through that? Um, if, if you were a missionary, uh, or maybe if this was happening in Ukraine during the time that you were in Ukraine, you know, what, what would you just, how would, how would you be praying about that? Yeah. Well, like I already said, we want to pray for how we can serve others and we have to balance those factors out. If um, I'm single, so I don't have to worry about young children um, mm -hmm. getting sick. Parents with young children, that's a whole different factor that's thrown in there, that they're thinking about their family and the risks to their family, not just to themselves, um, but to their children. So I think it's, it's so crucial that every individual has a responsibility before God mm -hmm. um, to do his will for them. And we have to be careful about yeah. making decisions Christian uh, for others. Yeah. Freedom. <laughs> exactly. And that's so good. Yeah, there is freedom and there's flexibility there too. And I, I just think too, as well, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but you know, you look at how the plague really did help set the stage for the reformation in some of those ways that Scott was talking about. Um, and I look at China and you see the persecution that's happening there. You see President Xi making himself in the, the communist government, essentially the God uh, over that people. And you, you see um, missions having to leave China and uh, the, the Chinese church being uh, left uh, on their own in many ways. And what is God preparing to do? What kind of reformation could hit China and other countries uh, like that? Uh, because maybe God would prepare the hearts of people through suffering. And I don't know, yeah. but I think that's one way that we can pray, right? Right. Well, I just saw a great YouTube uh, video of a national pastor in China and uh, how they're ministering to their own people and having online prayer meetings and online church services because they're not allowed to uh, certain numbers to congregate. Mm. And I think uh, when the missionary leaves, that sometimes really vitalizes mm. the national church yeah. um, because they realize, yeah, we've really got to go and do this on our own. Um, so it's a, uh, 
for missionaries, it's also the thought of, um, I want to have a lifelong impact on these people. I want to give my lives to them, but also for a prolonged period of time. If I sacrifice my life now, what does that mean for the long term for mm-hmm. the national church and for growing them and teaching them and encouraging them and exhorting them? Um, so we have to not be um, short limited, short short in our in our vision but look to the future as well um and be thinking what what's good for now but also what's good for the future mm-hmm. and is it better that i stay alive and uh, be able to serve long term um i know in uh ukraine i i would have loved to have been there for my whole life um mm-hmm. and god called me back to this ministry in the States, but, um, I, I wanted a heart to do condition in part, right. I mean, it, that's part of what brought you back. Exactly. Yeah. For a global, yeah. To yeah. minister to our global missionary community yeah. is what brought me here. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Ukraine to have that impact, I wanted to be as healthy for as long as possible. Um, I mean, a, a year ago I experienced clinical death in Ukraine, um, and was in a hospital in Odessa, Ukraine for a couple of weeks. And it was a, miracle really that I survived. Mm. And I really believe God brought me back for the potential for long-term ministry there. Mm. Um, So we have to balance all those things. We Mm. have to be careful about not making any kind of decision in the heat of the moment, but really seeking the Lord and seeking others advice. And how does this affect um, not only me and my family, but my church, my local church, the national church, my national partners, and the future of the ministry there. Mm. I've heard, um, you know, others talk about this and saying there's been times when staying was absolutely the right decision and other times when even your national partners are saying, no, it's time for you to go. This is actually going to create a bigger burden for us if you're here or draw more attention. And I think we do see that that pattern, you know, in the in the book of Acts, where where there's not a cookie cutter answer to some of these questions. Sometimes Paul flees in a basket, you know, out of Damascus. Other times, um, you know, he stays and the stones hit him. And, you know, uh, Stephen Stephen is a a martyr that dies. And yet uh, Philip is is one that that goes to Samaria, you know, and and so, you know, you see these different responses and and there's a huge aspect. I think we need to listen to advice, listen to um, our own churches, listen to uh, most importantly, listen to the Holy Spirit. And he, he will probably direct differently in different settings. Yes. Yeah, that's one thing that I love about what you're saying, Miriam, is that that you're not binding people's consciences. You know, whatever is not done from faith is sin. And, you know, you'll stand before your own master. Who are you to judge the servant of another master? Kind of a thing that Romans 14 understanding of this is an area where we can't come in and legislate our conscience towards other believers. There's real freedom in recognizing some missionaries may reach the point where they're saying for the good of the ministry, my family, whatever it is, I need to leave. And others may decide they need to stay. And there's freedom in Christ for that we can trust God in his sovereignty not only with the sickness and with its economic impact uh, but also with our decisions that we make about it I think there's some real wisdom there so so Miriam how could Christians learn to trust God in the face of fearful and uncertain circumstances. I mean, you've been through a lot. I mean, you've been on death's door, as you already shared, and worked in some really hard places and seen a lot of believers that have gone through some really hard things in the former Soviet Union. 
what advice would you give to Christians maybe who are struggling with fear, um, maybe who hear the news and whether it's the politics or economics or or this health scare, or the threat of a pandemic, um, what advice have you learned in your Christian walk of how to trust God in the face of fear and uncertain circumstances? Uh, that God is Emmanuel, God with us. And that means every minute of every day, no matter where we are in the highs and the lows, God is with us. And he shows his peace that passes all understanding. Um, he gives comfort when there is seeming despair. He gives hope when it seems like there's no uh, open doors to turn to. Um, God is uh, an incredible life-giving force. Um, and our God, who is the creator and savior and our Lord, um, is that everyday walk with him that we can make wise decisions. And I think it's seeking wisdom every day that we learn to how to seek him in the big decisions. Mm. Um, it's as we seek him and have that relationship with him every day mm. that then we know where to go for that wisdom we need, especially mm. for those dangerous dark days. Mm. Um, that's when uh, we really find out that he truly is the fount of all wisdom. Mm. Um, Proverbs talks about wisdom like a fountain of life. And I love that analogy of the springing life-giving force that mm. is just a, a there to, we, we can immerse ourselves in and to have that, that springing water that is so life-giving and so mm. enriching and um, so invigorating. I, I uh, love that. That's what our God is like. That's what he does for us every day. And that idea that if we're not trusting him, you know, when there's a bill that needs to be paid or when the car is out of fuel, <laughs> if we're not trusting him in the small daily moments, then we're not going to trust him when the diagnosis comes. Right. Uh, or, or something else tragic strikes. Miriam, thank you so much for your wisdom. And on behalf of the ABWE family, thank you for the way that you serve our missionaries. And uh, we hope and pray that God blesses you in your mis ministry um, and in the counsel and advice that you give to all of those who are serving overseas and are making some tough and difficult decisions right now. And we encourage all of our listeners to be praying not only for health and for healing, for those affected by this, but praying that God would use it for the spread of the gospel in some incredibly hard to reach places. Um, the gospel is contagious yes. and uh, none of us is going to live forever. All of us uh, are going to die in one way or another, but uh, we pray that uh, the kingdom comes and uh, God's will is done and the knowledge of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea and we labor towards that end. So Miriam, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Well, thanks. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I pray it'll be a blessing. Thanks for listening. To get more content, go to missionspodcast.com or check out abwe.org slash podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. To ask a question or suggest a topic, email alex at missionspodcast.com and we'll see you next time on the Missions Podcast.